Welcome to the Adventures in Arting podcast. This is episode number 47, recorded on May 24th, 2016. My name is Julie Fafan Balzer, and with me is my co-host, Eileen Schubalzer. Hi, Mom. Hi, Julie. How are you? I'm good. I'm uh, happy that you're successfully back from Cleveland, where you've been filming your TV show, Make It Artsy. Why don't you walk us through the whole process? I think people would be interested to know what a long lead time first there is in terms of putting a show together. Yeah, it was interesting, particularly because I was in Australia. I mean, there's a couple things, which is, A, it's a new show. So, yes, it is scrapbook soup on some level because a lot of the things were the same, but it's also a new show, which meant there's new intro music, new sets, new all sorts of stuff. And Kathy, who's the producer, did say to me, she's like, yeah, next time you can't go, you can't be gone the month before. I was so stressed out. And even for me, too, like having to work on projects, you know, while I was away and then right when I got back and like there was just some insanity in it that made my head spin around. So that was definitely crazy. I also will say that um, it doesn't sound, I mean, a lot of the stuff that I do, I think can be tiring and I don't mean to like whine about it in any way. Cause I'm so grateful that I get to do this job, but Oh my God. I think when I came back from Cleveland, my face crashed into the pillow and I just slept and slept and slept and slept and slept because it is an exhausting experience because you have to be on, not just for the camera, but for the guests who are there, but for, um, you know, the whole thing and their long, long days. So a typical day is I get up at the hotel, maybe 5.30 a.m., um, get up and do my hair. They don't do hair at the studio. And curly hair has to air dry. It's like an endless thing. Anyway, regardless. Mom, I can hear you moving around. Are you okay? It's just showing you I'm alive. Okay. Anyway. Um, so then, uh, after I do my hair or whatever, I usually grab some breakfast at the hotel and then head out to the studio, which is probably only like five to 10 minutes away. And then I go into makeup and it's usually half an hour, 40 minutes to get my face done. Um, so that I can look super glamorous. Um, and then also mom, you like to criticize my makeup every season. It's part of my job, I think. I guess. So I like to have like super glamorous. And then mom always says to me that they put on too much makeup and I look old. So, uh, so we'll be trying to go lighter, but I do like my fake eyelashes. So, so kill me. I like your natural face. Oh, you like my natural face. Cause it looks like your face. Actually, I don't think we look alike at all. I always think it's funny when people say that we look alike. Cause I'm like, in what way do we look alike? I would love it if I looked like you, though. When I was growing up, everyone always said, your mother's so beautiful, and then there's you. And I was like, oh, thanks. Anyway. Okay, so then after makeup, usually what happens is either I'll film something by myself on the set, um, and if there is not something for me to film by myself, then I'll sit down in my area in the green room, and I'll either um, do some uh, work that I need to do, or I'll get some projects ready for that day. I also am often fielding questions from guests who've shown up or giving them tours of the space and making them feel comfortable because part of my job at host is not just what you see um, on camera, but a lot of it is backstage making people feel comfortable and organized and all that kind of stuff. So then we begin filming 
And filming usually involves basically I – so I go out to set and I go through everything with the guest. What are you going to do? What's the order? And then usually I'll help organize stuff like maybe this part should be less. We're not going to do that. We're going to focus on this, you know, and rearranging the table, et cetera, et cetera. Then Kathy, the producer, and Mike, the director, come over and they take a peek at what's happening and they maybe have further edits or changes that they want to have happen. Why don't and you then first – I know this is familiar to you, but why don't you say what it is the guests are supposed to bring with them when they come and how they prepare to come to the show? Okay, so I don't totally know how the guests prepare. I know how I prepare, which is basically the same thing. But so if you have a project, like let's say we are going to make a necklace, okay? So what you need to do is you need to bring the finished necklace, and then you also need to bring all the parts to make the necklace but sometimes you have to bring all the parts to make the necklace times seven meaning let's say you're going to make the pendant and it's three steps well you need to bring each of the three steps in progress so one point where you've cut the metal one point where you've patinaed the metal and one point where you've hammered the metal and then you need to bring the supplies obviously so that we see you make each step but let's say each step requires drying time or like it's a little takes too long to actually cut the whole thing out or I don't want to actually watch you file the edges of the metal whatever it is so that it is that Julia Child thing where like you put the chicken in the oven you open the other oven and pull the finished chicken out because you know what I mean no one wants to sit there for 30 minutes while a chicken cooks Magic. does chicken cook in 30 minutes I don't even know I've never cooked a chicken did you I know think that? it might be a small chicken maybe a cut up chicken would well, there you go. I've cooked a chicken breast. I've just never actually cooked a full chicken. Good Very for exciting. you. I know. I also don't know how to carve a chicken. I feel like these are life skills that you failed to give me. Google it. I'm sure I can. Uh, okay. So then, um, and then like, let's say you're making the chain, then you have to have a step for that. So you have to bring all that stuff. Plus you have to bring all your tools that you need. So like, for instance, Mary Hetmansberger who is a jewelry artist, she had to bring an acetylene torch with her, or maybe it was a propane torch with her that she was using to fire her jewelry. You know, she was she drove. driving she or drove. was she flying? She drove. Yeah, she drove. no she way drove. on an airplane. Yeah, well, I know like Angela Wolf, who hosts It's So Easy, which is another title that my producer Kathy um, still produces, she drives also because she has to bring so many sewing machines with her that flying and shipping would just be a nightmare, so she just drives instead. And actually, I've driven there from New York before, twice, actually um 13 hours by myself it was very exciting it was pre-podcast which makes me sad uh so i listened to a lot of music and sang really loudly um and then um so you have all your step outs all your supplies and then besides the one finished sample a lot of people because obviously being on tv is a great opportunity not only to educate people but also to drive them back towards you and so a lot of people like to bring multiple finished samples so they can show all of the things that they're capable of creating, right? Right. It's kind of like a mini advertisement for yourself. And then they have to write later. They have to write instructions. Right. And not even later. They have their instructions, which they submit. And so that um, if you ever want the instructions for any of the projects that you see on Make It Artsy or on Scrapbook Soup, you just go to the website and you can download them. Um, and then also often templates that people use or anything like that that's all there if you're looking for specific product information it's usually in the pdf too and that's another thing that i always know is a safety valve so sometimes i'll say to people you know we're just gonna um talk through this step instead of doing it because people can download the instructions and that's not a step that they need to actually see it's kind of like i'm working on this blog post um 
right now. And one of the things about it is it requires me to hammer uh, this binder clip with a mandrel. And, like, it's a whole complicated thing. And I was trying – I was thinking that it is the kind of thing that's easier to understand on video. But I was trying to take still photos of it. So what we try to do on the show is we try to figure out, like, what are the steps that you need video for to understand? And what can we just talk you through? So you don't actually need to see me cut a piece of paper that's two by two. I can say, here's a piece of paper. I cut it to two by two. You know what I mean? Yes. And the other thing, which I think a lot of times guests are nervous about, is what to wear. Yes. Definitely. They get super nervous about it. Um, so the studio does send out a whole thing that tells you like a guidelines to what works and what doesn't. And then oftentimes I have different outfits and they take like little pictures of what I'm wearing and stuff like that. And they, um, they will say, oh, Julie's wearing blue. So why don't you not wear blue? Because then the two of you are like, the blues brothers matching exactly blues sisters i noticed this time they had a board with your different outfit photos pinned up yeah they often have a board with the photos on it and it's because like literally after every segment it's like so the segments are numbered so i'll be like this is 1013 what am i wearing in 1013 this is 1132 what am i wearing in 1132 because you're obviously we film all out of order and you're trying to make it so that when the viewer watches they're not suddenly like wait pink shirt last one blue shirt this one what's happening I feel like your audience could handle that. <laughs> well, I try to get away with wearing one outfit the entire show so that I would never have to change, but that did not fly. I also, for the first time on the show, wore Spanx. Oh. Normally, I try to get away without wearing Spanx just because they're a pain. Oh, my God. It was horrible to spend all day in Spanx. I do not know how people in Hollywood do it. It was just like every time you – I mean, I'm sorry to get graphic, but every time you need to go – it takes you like an hour to get out of the Spanx. It's really arduous. And then to get back in and then you got to get remiked and like da-da-da-da. It's just – it's silly. It's one of those girl things. I don't know. Do boys wear Spanx? You know, I, I think I've seen somewhere that sometimes they wear those waist things underneath like their clothes. Yeah. Ah. Interesting. It's becoming a world where everybody wants to look as if they spent 12 hours in the gym every day. I know. I started feeling during the shoot, I was like, it'd be way easier if I just spent 12 hours in the gym every day because this is horrible. Um, but anyway, so there's a lot of changing and there's a lot of that stuff. And then, so we have four cameras that shoot the each segment. So one is an overhead camera and the overhead camera, the jib camera operator's name is Tom and Kathy's been working with him for years and actually imports him from like Milwaukee or something every year because he's just the best overhead camera guy around. Um, and then there is a big straight on camera that has the teleprompter over it and then there are two side cameras that catch all of the action too. So, and they live edit which I think is a kind of, I mean, they do do other edits too, but one of the cool things is that they're kind of editing the show as it's being filmed. So like Mike is in the, uh, so it's kind of like a, like you would see on a newscast or something, which is to say they're definitely jumping camera two, camera four, camera this, and like obviously if they miss something or need something, they do um, catch it later or like can edit in some of the footage from a different place. But it's kind of neat because they actually have a pretty good sense of what the show is going to look like after almost immediately after filming. Well, and so they can tell if they missed something and they need to refilm it right away because exactly. you'll be gone. 
So sometimes we do have to like stop and hold completely still while they try to match things up. And like you have to have your hand a certain exact way and you have to have like, you know, let's say there was a paint drop somewhere it has to be exactly there and then you have to you know if your last time you ended with like the word so you have to pick it again up with the word so so that it all matches i would say uh that you probably now take certain things for granted but that for a first time guest it's probably very difficult I think it's super fun, but yes, but that's part of what my job is too. And I tell people this, I say, always say, I am a monkey and I am just going to chatter incessantly at you. Anytime that you are quiet, I'm going to talk and anytime, you know what I mean? And the other thing is they can't forget anything because they're always so nervous about it. They're going to forget the steps and like, you can't forget the steps because you've laid them out. Do you know what I mean? Uh -huh. And you have each of the step outs. So that's a, but B, I'm there to be your other brain and I have Kathy the producer in my ear. So, you know, we've all talked about it and done it. So I will often ask questions that are stupid as like stupider than stupid just because I'm trying to get the lead the guest towards something they may be forgetting or because I think it's a common, you know, misunderstanding that people have or something that they don't understand how to do or whatever it is. Or Kathy will be like, be sure she'll be saying to me all of a sudden, hey, you never said that this is water soluble. Say that. So then I'll be like, what happens if water gets on this? Nah. You know, or whatever else it is. So it's an interesting thing because you have to find that balance between I never want to be rude and interrupt the guests, but dead space when you're on air is like the worst thing that can possibly happen. And, like, if you ever watch those morning shows and wonder why the morning hosts are always, like, jumping around and making faces and seeming like a giant six-year-old, it's because that's just much more entertaining TV to watch than if you're all being serious and polite. Like, if you, And I always tell people, guess this, which is I always say, don't be polite. I know in normal life you might not interrupt. I would always interrupt because I'm a rude person and <laughs> I like interrupting. But I also don't mind if people interrupt me at all. But anyway, most people don't. So I'm like, interrupt, interrupt. I will literally not stop talking unless you talk over me. Um, and, and even it, then. And even then I might not stop talking. So that's the thing, which is the back and forth gets really boring if it's like your turn and then my turn. And then your turn. But if it's sort of chatty, people like it a lot more. So I often tell people it's like driving a car. If you're the driver and someone's talking to you, you don't actually stop the car in the middle of the highway to turn to them to say something. That's the other thing, which is you sort of just keep going. Because sometimes they'll start chattering about something, mainly because I want to cover the fact that we're watching somebody paint, you know, whitewash something which is not something that people have a lot of questions about. And then they stop doing it to talk to me. And I'm always like, no, keep going. So then do you want to talk a little bit about the different guests and the kinds of segments and what went yeah, right and wrong? I'm really, I'm super excited about Make It Artsy because we had, so one of my longtime um, art crushes has been this woman named Lori Micah who does polymer clay. I've always loved it. We actually, I should call, I should invite her to be a guest on the podcast. We haven't do had it. a guest in a while. I should do that. Anyway, I should text her and ask her if she wants to. Anyway, but she was really fantastic and she makes beautiful polymer clay and polymer, I think is a fascinating medium that sort of bridges into people who like to do lots of different things. If you like to do jewelry, polymer is good for you. If you like to do mixed media, polymer is good for you. If you like to do assemblage, you know, polymer is good for you. If you like to do 
you know, actually there's lots of painting that can be done on polymer. If you like to do sculpture, I mean, like, it's just, it's a really versatile medium. So I really like that. And she was fun and had lots of good projects and she was very positive and had a total can do attitude. And I just love people like that who make you feel good when you're around them, you know? Okay. So I really liked her. Mary Hetmansberger, who I practiced saying her name a hundred times. It doesn't seem like it would be hard, but it was. Um, and she actually goes by Mary Hetz because so many people have trouble with Hetmansberger. Um, but anyway, she actually said um, that I wasn't the first person to be an idiot about pronouncing her name. But I felt really bad because people have trouble with my name all the time. And I'm always like, it's not that tough. But maybe it is. <laughs> I think also sometimes people are afraid that they'll be insulting to you if you if they say your name wrong and it paralyzes them. Yes. And that was the thing I was actually really afraid about with Mary is I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, I'm going to say this wrong. It's going to be terrible. Um, but she was great and she showed all sorts of really cool jewelry techniques. And I hope that she'll come back for our next season because I think we only like even touched the surface of what she was doing. And she also was sick, which I felt really bad about because that happens sometimes. And of course the taping dates are what they are. And if you're sick, you just kind of have to suck it up and do it. I remember you did one whole part of it one whole season where you were desperately sick during the entire taping time i did and i pretty much like laid down in between everything i could barely breathe i also did an hsn where i couldn't even talk and i had to stash like cough drops all over the set and it was it was horrible there's nothing worse than having to like put a stupid smile on your face and pretend you're not sick when you feel crappy but you know you do it for the love of the game you do it Okay, so the next guest, uh, I'm trying to do them in order, but it's a little bit hard for me to remember now. I might have to actually look through my Instagram account because I Instagram photos, obviously, from the set of each guest, and then I'll be able to remember them all in order, which will be just awesome and the best thing possible. Okay, so then the next guest is Rebecca Meyer, who Rebecca and I actually met in a ladies' room at CHA because she had been on Quilting Arts TV and I had been on Quilting Arts TV and we both, I liked her bag. I was like, oh, that's a great bag. And she was like, wait, don't I know you from Quilting Arts TV? And I was like, wait, don't I know you from Quilting Arts TV? And we've been friends. And that was like 10 years ago, maybe longer. So it was nice to have her on the show. She did some of her shabby chic stuff that she's definitely known for. And she actually has a new line of stuff with Art Foamies. Same as me. She's doing some licensed designs with them. So that was really cool to talk about that. Um, Janet Takahashi was on the show. She is a calligrapher who I know through uh, work I've done for Sakura of America. She is so sweet, so kind, so nice. And she gave me um, a beautiful um, tag that she had outlined, not outlined, that she had calligraphed with my name and some flowers and stuff. And she just got me really excited about, sometimes I find calligraphy beautiful, but dry. Uh And she just made me excited about it. And she showed how to add all sorts of botanical ornaments and she has beautiful sketchbooks and she's just really sweet and nice. She is also, however, like two feet shorter than I am. That's not hyperbole, like almost literally. I mean, so we had to sit for her segments. Otherwise, it would have been like I was eating her. Yeah. It would have been Godzilla. Um, and then Joe Rotella was on. And Joe is always fun to have on the show. And he did a ton of great um, stuff using a lot of tools, these Proxon miniature tools. So I got to use like a tiny little table saw 
which is the cutest thing you've ever seen, but it actually, like, it works just like a big table saw, but it's, like, 11 pounds and really small, and they had, like, a drill press and, like, a mini lathe, and he just made all really kinds of makery projects that I think are going to bring a lot of interest to the show because it's definitely stuff that just gets you excited about making things. He made these book um, like planters that have succulents in them that I thought were super duper cool. I can tell you want those mini tools, don't you? I do. I want all of them. I want to have like a miniature wood shop in my house. Um, and then Dina Wakely came and I love Dina and I love her work and she is like fun and smart and she's a really good teacher and she made what I like to call just like her usual Dina mess, which is I'm painting with my eyes closed and it looks amazing and you can too. So she's always great and she's always super prepared and like there are some people you invite and you just know that A, you're not going to have to hold their hands, B, they're going to be awesome on camera, and C, they're just going to like have it all together and rock it out. And she's one of those people who I always feel like I can rely on for that kind of stuff. So that was great. Um, and Mo Saha came and she did some – and it, one of the things that I like about Mo – is that she is a much more careful creator than I am, or certainly than Dina is, right? Um, but her results have freedom in them, even with the way that she's careful. And I think that's really important because uh -huh. people create in all different kinds of ways. So saying, if you want to make, you are just brushing across that microphone like crazy, lady. I'm sorry, did I breathe? Yes, no breathing. No breathing. <laughs> um, but anyway, so she, like, you know, because people create in different ways, it's really important to say if you want to do bright, colorful, um, fun stuff, you don't have to create in this kind of way that people describe as messy or, like, out of control. You can also do it in a controlled way, and it looks fantastic, right? right. Um, and then we had someone on who I've never met before, but who I found online. Her name is Roxanne Coble. Who and she's known online as By Bun. And I found her, I think, I think the way it went is I found her either on Instagram or Pinterest. I can't remember. And then I was happened to be looking for guests at the time and I really liked her work. So I went to her YouTube channel from her blog. And because and I discovered this is what I do when I research people. And I discovered that she was cute on camera and she seemed like friendly and she seemed to know what she was doing and that she had she was teaching an online class, which I which I felt like meant she'd be able to teach. So I took a flyer and invited her and she came all the way from L.A. and she was, as I expected, cute and adorable on camera and did a great job. Super California, which I loved and young and fresh and fun. And that was great. And her work is really quirky and interesting and all that kind of stuff. Um, Seth Apter came and it was fantastic because that was Mancrafter number two. And I think it's important, again, to see diversity of age, diversity of gender, diversity, you know, ethnically. Like, I like to show that everybody can craft and everybody should, you know. So he came and he did this one project that has me still thinking about it that I love. So I'm really excited for people to see it about wrapping things. It's just, it was one of those projects that, it's not hard to do, but I think you could do some really cool, meaningful stuff with it. So I really liked that. Um, and then um, Kathy Kanomario, the crafty chica, came. And she's always super fun and friendly. I always, whenever she, whenever I see her, I'm always like, you can't possibly be this nice. 
are you actually this nice? And she is. She's just like the sweetest, nicest human being alive. I don't think anybody should be allowed to be that nice, but she is. She's really sweet. And so that was fun. She also knows everything about social media. Like I said something and she was like, oh, now, no, the limit on Instagram now is one minute for this and you can post to this for this. I mean, she's just so knowledgeable about all that stuff, which is cool. Um, and then our final guest of the season was Jen Mason. And, you know, Jen and I hosted the mixed media workshop for cloth, paper, scissors for two years. And then she left her job and they decided not to pursue the series. And, um, so it was great to be reunited with her. She has blue hair now. So that was super fun. And I was very inappropriate with her on set making faces and being like a giant kid. Cause it's really cool when essentially one of your friends comes to craft with you, you know? So we had a really good time and it was, uh, she doesn't do, she doesn't have a, like a, um, art job now. She does have a creative job, but it's not an art job. So I think it was fun for her too. She said to come back and like do it and yada, 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 all that kind of stuff. So that was really cool. So a good season of interesting guests and diverse projects of all kinds. There's art journaling, there's watercolor, there's calligraphy, there's jewelry, there's metalwork, there's polymer, there's assemblage, there's mixed media, there's, I mean, there like everything that you could want so why don't you tell people because you get this question all the time where and when they will be able to access these yes. shows so make it rctv will debut on tv on pbs on september 29th we haven't heard yet whether it will be on the create network which if you're not familiar is a specialized um creative network within PBS, which runs a little more nationally than the regular uh, PBS stuff. But so we won't know that for a little while. It will also online. You can watch the show every week. They share a new episode and you can watch all week the video of that online. Um, you can also download project sheets starting September 29th too, which is great. So even if you don't get it at all, you can do that. Um, and you can also buy DVDs if you want to just get, uh, if you want to just get the season on a DVD, um, you can do that too. Cause I know some people don't have great internet connections. So when they're trying to stream a video online, it can be frustrating. Uh, so that's all the different ways that you can do it. September seems so far away. It'll be coming. It? So why yeah. don't you just briefly Talk about the difference between Scrapbook Soup, which is the show that's currently running, and Make It Artsy, which is replacing it. First of all, we got a fabulous new set, which if you looked at any of my photos, it's all like brick wall and sort of metal and wood. It's really cool looking and I love it. Um, so that's really cool. Um, but the biggest difference is just content wise. I mean, what I keep saying is it's like same great host, same fantastic, you know, uh, ideas and like all that kind of stuff same great production values but the biggest difference is just the focus instead of being solely on scrapbooking is now just much wider and broad broader on anything that counts as artsy so we're doing you know like i said the wide range of things don't you think a lot of the shows even on channels like hg channel which is i guess home and garden mm -hmm. where they're redoing houses they plug into something that people really want, which is they want to sh to have a personal hand in what surrounds them. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody is creative. Every single, I mean, I hear from people all the time when I, then they ask me what I do and I say I'm an artist and they're like, oh, I'm not creative. And I'm like, yeah, you are. And so interestingly, actually, I was on the way out to Cleveland and I sat next to a pilot 
he was deadheading back to Cleveland. And we just started chatting. And what was interesting when he, I said, he said, what do you do? I said, oh, I'm an artist. I work in the craft industry. Um, and he, he said, oh, he's like, I'm not creative at all or something. And then it turned out he had like five craft stories because he was searching his mind to like have something to talk to me about because I certainly wasn't going to talk to him about, oh, the time I flew a plane. You know what I mean? <laughs> so You're keeping he was that like, to yourself. Yeah, that one is definitely secret. <laughs> anyway, so I was like, uh, I could tell him all the times I rode in a plane. But anyway, so he uh, was, it was really funny because suddenly he was like, oh yeah, I made this and I made that. Oh, and when a friend of mine this, I made this and I made that. Oh, and I took this thing and I lined it with this and I did it. And it's like, yeah, you know what? Everybody does have a crafting story. And he, you know, knew what Michael's was. And I said, well, and he had a daughter and I was like, oh, I bet your daughter crafts all the time and makes stuff. And he was like, oh, she does. And I was like, that's right, because kids are creative because everybody is creative. It's just somehow as we grow up, people sort of tell us that we're not. And it reminds me of actually a story that you told me where you said there was a teacher who every day would write on the board dumb bunnies and smart foxes. And she would list the kids either under dumb bunny or smart fox. And I, I was problem, outraged. It is it's disgusting and appalling that anybody would do that to a child and that you would actually see your name listed publicly as a dumb bunny. That's just that. Anyway, that strikes me as incredibly abusive, but it's not anything beyond what art teachers have been doing for years where they tell you either, yes, you're an artist and you're not, or yes, you can draw and you can't. And I think so many people have gone through school art classes and just gotten the sense that they're not creative, just like people go through school and think that they're not smart. Now, I don't mean to say that, I mean, there are tons of art teachers who go the opposite way who are fantastic, and many of them, uh, you know, I know and love and appreciate. I'm just saying, having had a bad art teacher like that myself, you know what I mean? I think it's really tough. Um, and so I was just reminded that I think one of the things that I preach, if I may for a moment, is the idea that, yeah, we are all creative. You are creative. You can do things. You are an artist. You can make things. And I think the show really taps into that idea, which is... You are creative. I, some of the fan mail I get, which I love, is from people who say, like, I got one piece that I love, 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 which is a guy who said, hey, my son and I caught your marathon of scrapbook soup and we're not crafty guys. Um, but I, I think his son was like 10 or 11. And he said, but after watching the show, we made this. And he sent me a picture of what he made. And I thought that's fantastic because I love the idea that I that you can inspire people to make things. And I think the same is true of the home shows, which a lot of times they'll show you how you can, you know, transform a room by putting up like this little tiny molding and painting it. Or they'll talk through like how you choose, you know, the couch cushions to go with the whatever. Everybody likes to make their their environment nice. Everyone likes to be creative in some way. And I say to women all the time, if you can dress yourself, if you can pick out the jewelry that you wore, if you can do any of that stuff, you can you know, make art. It's the same as when people want to paint a face. I'm like, have you ever done blush on your face? Have you ever contoured? Have you ever sucked in your cheeks to do duck face? Then you know how to paint and contour a face. I think some of this goes back to a discussion we've had about people trying to pigeonhole certain activities. So for example, if you're building a house, like physically constructing it, that's not craft. That's not art. It's something else, you know, and so that's a manly thing and women can't do it. Only men can do it. But so I think these artificial constructs are what guide certain people into one area and not another when they might have a lot of talent for the other thing if they would just allow themselves to express it and find a way to get into it. So you were talking about the tiny tools. 
Well, you actually like power tools. You build sets with with power tools. Somehow, big tools. Yeah, but what I'm saying is somehow building is a man's thing. You know. Yeah, I do think that's true, but I even think it's stuff like, listen, I if you ask me, if you were like, "Hey Julie, are you athletic?" I'd be like, "No, I'm the opposite of athletic." And the thing is, I know like even if there's a pickup beach volleyball game and they're like, "Hey Julie, we need one more person." I'm always like, you know, here's the thing. I'm terrible. And if there's going to be someone on my team who's going to yell at me the whole time about the fact that I missed the ball or hit it with one hand or I just, it's not fun for me to do, you know? Uh-huh. So, and the same thing is true, I think, for people who make art, which is if you feel like you're letting people down or that people are disappointed in what you're doing or whatever, I think it makes it really hard to do the making, you know? And so in a very, like, meta 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 way which is like I'm sure an overstatement but I feel like one of the things I try really hard to do is just to be very accepting of all kinds of creating and all kinds of making and all kinds of you know stages of being because I think when you start you know doing a lot of that judging and placing value on things then what happens is that people get discouraged because I am never going to play beach volleyball again Wow. So this Olympics in Rio, we won't be looking for you. But that's the other thing. Like, you don't have to, nobody expects you to be a professional athlete if you want to go kick around a soccer ball. You know, they're not asking you, like, do you play for Major League Soccer? But somehow it's like when you like to make art in your spare time, if it's not very good art, they're like, whoa, you suck. Why are you pursuing this? And that's so weird to me because if you, you know, said your hobby was golf, no one would say because you have a handicap of 400 that you should stop playing and golf they would say oh keep playing and you'll get better but if you come home from class and this happens to students of mine all the time and you make something and your significant other or whoever is like that's what you made after two days you know instead of saying wow that's fantastic you know keep keep working you're you're getting real good now you know i don't know why we don't encourage people in art the same way that we do sometimes in other hobbies and pursuits I hope I encouraged you. I looked Did at the, the pot holder you brought home from kindergarten. I hope I was appreciative. Well, I will say, even now, your house is full of terrible art that I made as a child. Maybe I should clear it out. Maybe <laughs> you should clear it out. It's the it's been, Julie Fay fan balls are the early years. I keep I waiting for some archive to ask to have it. There you go. Yes, the archive called The Dump. But anyway, it's, I mean, it's, that's the thing though that I think is good and why I don't actually throw things away always. Cause sometimes it's nice to see where you came from. I mean, I have a couple pieces, paintings where I've been like, oh my God, I remember when I made that and I was so proud of it. And I thought it was the best thing I had ever made. And now I, it's cringing. I'm actually staring at a piece that's in my office and I am looking at the way I have done the eyeballs. And it's everything I tell people not to do with eyeballs. The pupil is directly in the middle of like a round circle stare. I mean, it's like the whole thing thing but you know what it's from a period but you know people value diaries this is a diary in a visual form in a tactile form of where you've been you wouldn't throw out your childhood diaries because you aren't that person anymore or because you were a child and couldn't spell no it's true I have diaries left over from college they're all archived in there and you know someday I'll go back and remember the gal I was at 17 well, anyway, there's. <laughs> I was just going to say, it's funny because yesterday you did the matches. Talk about that yeah. as a memory 
down memory lane kind of experience. So we were looking at a whole bunch of matchbooks and matchboxes at mom's house because I have an art project that I want to do and I was trying to find some things. And it was really interesting because looking at the names of the restaurants, I was like, oh, East Coast Grill, that's no longer there. Oh, Talia from New York. I remember when I used to live near that. Or, hey, Vermicelli, that's where I learned about, you know, X, Y. What do you, there was some drink that you remember learning about from there. You know, oh, Rue 57, that's where we used to go after theater things. And, oh, I mean, and it was just so interesting because. It was another little it's a collection, yeah. yeah, of memories where you go, I remember these places and I remember those moments and I remember that logo and, oh, that trip we took. And I think, I mean, this is why I think I'm a memory keeper, why I like Project Life, why I was attracted to scrapbooking, why I, all those things is because I why art journaling and the journaling part of it appeals to me. I, I love memory keeping and I love just that whole process of committing things down and then you get to go back and, you know, sort of, I don't know, consume it again. I like all of that. Anyway, um, there was one other thing I wanted to say just because it's not related to anything at all. Just because I wanted to say it. So I did a Periscope, um, which will be gone by the time this podcast comes out. But I did it earlier today. And um, one of the things on the Periscope is somebody asked the question, like, how do you get followers? And just because I think it's an interesting question. And it goes back to a lot of stuff, actually, that sort of we were talking about. Um, and I talked to to with a lot of the guests because we did discuss a lot of like social media things from the make it artsy guests and stuff like that and et cetera, et cetera. But um, my answer that I gave is I think you never try to get followers. I think that's always a loser because I think while it may work in the short term, they're not real and they're not really there for you. I think what you have to do is be authentic and be yourself and love what you do and create things that not for likes, but create things that you love and that people will find you because it's like the Chewbacca lady video, which if you haven't seen it, Google it. Um, Part of what is so joyful about that video is her genuine, she's not fake in it in any way. She is so excited about that Chewbacca mask. She is so filled with joy over how fun it is. And I think we like watching people like that. We're attracted to people like that. And I think, so with anything, it's about being authentic. And that's one of the things that I always tell the guests when they come on the show is I'm like, don't try to be someone else. Don't try to make this into something else. Like be yourself, have a good time. You know, I'm there to help you drive the car, like relax and just be you, do you. The other thing is the people who really like you will become fans and followers and the people who don't, they're, they're not going to be fans and followers anyway. So yeah, no matter why, what you do. So why try to pander to them? Well, this is also the thing. I told a friend we were talking about dating and I said, you know, the, pro- the thing is like there's no point in being a fake version of you when you're dating because either the person likes you or they don't. And that's not about like tricking them into liking you because <laughs> if the point of dating, right, is to get to marriage, like you're going to have to at some point show who you really are. And so it's like either I think I feel like it's like put your cards on the table and if they like you, great. And if they don't, who cares? Like there's another person who will. There's somebody who thinks you're awesome just the way that you are. So I think the same thing is true about making art. Like I like to make art that looks like this. If you don't like it, go away, you know, and if you do, awesome, come closer. So, yes. That's all I have to say about that. Thank you for that wisdom. You're welcome. I just thought it was important information that I wanted to share with everyone. 
Anyway, anything left we have to talk about, Mom? I think we've done it. There you go. So we did it. Um, we've actually been podcasting pretty regularly. It's been like every two weeks. We're doing good. I got to get a few guests in and other stuff like that. But the comments have been good. And I'm excited always to hear from you. So as always, we love to hear from you. So you can find me at balsresigns.typepad.com. And you can leave your questions or comments at balsresigns.com backslash arting, A-R-T-I-N-G. And if you tweet about the show, we will be very excited and use the hashtag pound arting podcast. That's all one word, A-R-T-I-N-G-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. And thanks so much for listening. We'll see you the next time on the Adventures in Arting Podcast.